listening to the PCAST, presented by CDE Lightband. Each week we take you around Austin the Athletics Department, occasionally the OVC, thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE, and thanks to you, the listeners, who make us worth sponsoring. I am Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin podcast that's lamenting its misspent youth today. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. Uh, I guess we should brace for some... Breaking news that affects all of us uh, about 25 minutes after we get through recording this because... That's how it goes. Two weeks running now, uh, we've hit stop and the world has shifted upon its axis not too long after. Uh, about the time we were posting this last week, word came down that our beloved university president, Dr. Elisa White, will be leaving us. She is not just the top candidate, she was the only identified candidate to take over presidency at Sam Houston State down in Texas. They are getting a tremendous leader and a huge friend of athletics, and we are left with memories and a vacuum at the top that will be tough to fill. Yeah, it's sad to see President White go. It's good for her. Um, Glad to see her. I think she's moving closer to family, Yeah, so that's good. Hopefully we can get another president who can fill her shoes. It'd be hard to do. Yeah, she is. I've been around here for a long time, and she is definitely. Le- she's going to leave the most lasting impact. Leader of, in the clubhouse of any president we've had since. And I mean, I was only here for a year when, uh, for her last year, but definitely since Dr. Sherry Hoppy. She's the only president I've ever had from the time I was in school to working here. So, wow, big man, big change is coming. This is going to be real different for you then. Isn't yeah. It? Um. President White will be sorely missed, but we look forward to seeing what she does uh, with our our friends down at Sam Houston State. Uh, Hero Sports put out their All-OVC team the other day. Did you see that? I sure did see that. I'm actually the one who wrote the release that appeared on Let'sGoP.com yesterday. So you definitely saw it. Five Govs. Five Govs. Big time for the Govs. Uh, Blake Mitchell on the offensive line. D'Angelo Wilson at wide receiver. Um, Josephus Smith at defensive tackle. Cordell Jackson at defensive back. Uh, Is that everybody? Jack McDonald linebacker. And Jack McDonald at linebacker. Big day for the Govs. Uh, there's a couple people that do not appear on the list that we here at the PCAST think think should be on the list, and there's a couple people on the list who we, we may not agree with. Yeah, uh, I know that it would have been hard. It would have been difficult to make J.O. the preseason All-OVC quarterback because he only played two games last year, and – he was the all. He was the player of the year preseason last year, though. People forget. Yeah, he was the the heading into last season. He was the preseason player of the year. Uh, the only thing that has changed since then is he got hurt, and we won a title, and tons of pieces have been added to the offense to make it even better, even more formidable. Plus another year in Coach Zetz's system. So we also should be. Should be even better this year. <laughs> I still think that uh, UT Martin's John Bax is the uh, should have been the choice for quarterback in the preseason all OVC selection since Jo's a fair snub. You can't put him there. He didn't play last year. Yeah, but I you said um, the Tennessee Tech quarterback his name I can't remember Bailey Fisher. Bailey and Fisher. I, I know they they were in shootouts practically every game, and so maybe that inflated his numbers a little bit. Colby thinks Bailey Fisher. I think John Bax is Hero Sports disagrees. They picked. Uh, Zarek Cooper. They picked the trendy Clemson pick. And Zarek Cooper transferred to J- Jack State from Clemson. And, you know, maybe we caught him on a bad day last year. 
I just he didn't do much at Fortera Stadium. He didn't. He didn't look great. What do you do? Three picks. Three picks got benched. He got benched. Yeah. Uh, another snub on the defensive side. Uh, a big one. A bit, the big one. Literally, uh, John Wesley Whiteside not being on this team is uh, surprising. It's offensive. It was almost. surprising. Honestly, and maybe you just don't. Maybe you can't have. Maybe you don't want to have two Govs defensive tackles on the list. But uh, I don't think you have the success that Josephus or John Wesley had without the other. Yeah, I mean that is. That is two large mammals in the middle of that line who are back this year. I don't see how you run on us with those two. Yeah, actors. you want to you want to double Josephus? All right, John Wesley's going to blow up the run. You want to double John Wesley? All right, Josephus is there. Oh, if you don't cover those two, we'll just blitz from the linebacker on the outside. What are you yeah. going to do now? Yeah, if you think you got those two guys handled, well, guess what? Now, here comes Jack McDonald. Here's Jack McDonald, and you've got a linebacker or a tight end trying to stop him one-on-one. Hey, please, good luck. please do. Good luck. I, I hope you try. Yeah. I also hope you keep forgetting to cover D'Angelo Wilson. but And th- keep throwing at Cordell Jackson, too, long as we're... Right, yeah. Um, if we're doing a list... People forgot all last year. They don't listen to us. <laughs> I mean, the the people doing it multiple times how, a game How to beat year. the governors. Here's your game plan. Don't throw it, don't throw it Cordell Jackson. Yeah, see cover th- D'Angelo Wilson. See where 13 is and throw it the opposite way. doesn't matter what's <laughs> going on. Uh, in other news around the department here, we got a basketball edition last week. Another high major experienced player coming in on Mike Peak from Georgia, who we actually played, who looked pretty good uh, in his time against us late last December. And just from looking at the way his season trended last year, as the year went on, he was getting more and more looks, more and more minutes, and seemed to be a part of the future down in Athens. Nice part of our future. I always like to get big time transfers like that. Well, and he's got he's got a couple of things working in his favor that are very very good for us. One, he's big. He is a legit six eight guy. That's what we need too, because I think our biggest problem last year in playing Murray was the size that um, KJ Robinson and those other guys brought in, especially when they could bring size off the bench that we didn't have. Right, and it will ease the load on Terry Taylor in terms of rebounding as well. Terry not having to pull down 20 a game is going to help him so much. I mean, just hit, just to not have to camp under the rim is going to help Terry, not just in terms of not banging bodies 100 possessions a game, but also the ability to showcase himself more as a on-ball defender on one end and be able to step out and make himself available as a three-point shooter. Like, those are the things that if you're 6'5", as a forward, and you're looking to try to make a career in the NBA, you got to be able to do those things. And I'm sure that that was part of his pre-draft process was, hey, three-point shooting needs a little bit of refinement. One-on-one all-ball defending needs a little bit of refinement. This will be a huge opportunity for him to do that next year. If you're 6'5", and can't shoot the three these days, you can't play in the league. If you can't shoot the three these days, you can't play in the league. Right. And Terry, if you look back – his previous two years, his three numbers were pretty good. Last year, he really only had a couple of games where he took a lot. And I think he had more help in the paint those first couple of years, too, with Avril Ugba and um, Chris Porter-Button. Chris Porter-Button, yeah. And then last year, he doesn't have the help inside with the other, size, with the other big guys, and three-point shooting goes down. Well, I have helped out on the boards, too, but I think just a lot of – there was less space on the perimeter as well because you had guys like Jordan Adams who were able to really – make that their spot we got a new uh, all sports facility coming to austin p2 yeah um i very exciting i am super jazzed about this this is a this is going to separate us 
uh, from a lot of our brethren in the league. One of four teams in the league with an all-sports facility now. One of four teams. Uh, it's a it's a game-changer in terms of what it could do for all of our sports because, like, this is not just a tennis facility now. It will be going into the old tennis facility. It, this is – golf can get work in here. Football can Baseball get work and in. softball. Baseball and softball can get swings and get throws in on days when the weather's nasty. Like, this is a – Bonafide game changer for Beach volleyball everybody. might even be able to get work done in there when it's cold out. You know, I haven't seen the schematics, but you – I mean, any, anybody – I feel like you could throw up a net and you don't, it doesn't you have to be sand, but you're playing volleyball. You you can. I mean, the first one of these I ever encountered was when I was working in Memphis, and you would just go in there and it would be like softball's off in this corner, track and field's over in this corner. Hey, there's a couple of the football players getting stuff done. Hey, there's two soccer players just kicking the ball around because they got some time. It's It's huge – to to have that space and you know when we one of our biggest problems in terms of just doing stuff is we never we never seem to have enough space to get everybody the time that they need and this is a huge alleviation of that i mean nobody on the baseball team wants to take ground balls in 15 degree weather and win it's just or, it's just or, not good. Or make the hike to the top of the Dunn Center to throw. Right. This is – it's just going to help so many programs out, and it's going to be just great for the entire athletic department. And I imagine that we're going to see some improvements all around. You when know other, what? When other teams are at home because it's snowing outside, nope, guys are going to be getting work in. You know what else is great for the entire athletic department? What's that? Today's guest, Johnny Mitchell, has been a huge – huge part of the department this year and he will join us on the pcast right after this You've heard him called many things on this very podcast. John Boy Walton, Johnny Walker, Johnny Ringo, John the Revelator. Those are just a few of his aliases, but in real life, Johnny Mitchell serves as our ticketing assistant and not only aids Katie Locke in her work, but brings good vibes to the office each and every day. And now he's here on the PCAST. Johnny, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, let's start off with the basics. Where'd you grow up and how you wound up here? Yeah, so I was born in Nashville, grew up in Smyrna, Tennessee all my life. Uh, went to high school in uh, Murfreesboro at Blackman High School, so I'm called a Smurfy. That's what they call him. So born in Smyrna, went to school in Murfreesboro, uh, played travel ball growing up, played high school ball, and then after school, I went to community college just to get my genetics out of the way and work for the YMCA and their youth sports. Uh, after community college, went on to Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, got my bachelor's degree in sport management. So after I graduated, worked for the Y um, full-time. Uh, it was very, I enjoyed it for the most part, working in new sports and just getting a good, uh, valuable work experience. But I knew I kind of wanted to go back to school, get my master's and kind of just get my foot in the door in the sports industry. So my dad was on the phone. So Katie Locke, her dad and my dad, they know each other. 
So I didn't know Katie at the time, but they were on the phone talking and Katie's dad, he was kind of just talking to my dad, see what I wanted to do. And he's like, hey, my daughter, she works at Austin P in their ticket department. And so dad's like, hey, you know, just shoot her an email, see what happens. So shot her email, sent her my resume, and then everything kind of just fell in place. It was kind of a quick, you know, turnaround of going back to school, uh, being a GA and moving to Clarksville because um, I was about to accept another full-time job at the Y as a sport coordinator. So that would have been a, uh, you know, a step up. And so the day before my interview for the Y, Kate was like, hey, you want to be a GA? And I was like, yep. So I told my executive at the Y, I'd be like, hey, can we hold this off? I might be going back to school. And he was like, yeah, sounds good. And so now I'm here almost a year later. Any regrets about uh, turning down the full-time job to come hoof it for us as a GA? Definitely not. Uh, why why athletics? Why college athletics? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much my life. I grew up in sports, but I really took a sport marketing class in high school. And so that really kind of got my interest just in sports in general, not really knowing whether it was high school, college, um, minor league. And so just kind of wanted to work in sports and luckily, you know, got the opportunity to work in athletics and it was college. And so I've enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, it's been great. Um, and I do like the ticket side of things. I, I was kind of, you know, nervous about kidding the ticket side of things, but I've really enjoyed it. And I would hi- like to continue that, you know, after our grad to continue to work in college athletics, if that's the opportunity that comes up. So we'd all known you for about a year mm-hmm. before we learned that your dad played Major League Baseball. Yes, uh, he did. So I got some, you know, just, you know, some stats on him just so I can get the stories right of when he played, what he did. And so uh, he played with the Mets. For, uh, he got drafted in 1983 in the seventh round by the Red Sox. And so he played minor league for the Red Sox. Then he got uh, traded to the New York Mets. Uh, he played in 86, 87, 1988, 1989, and then he was traded in 1990 to the Baltimore Orioles. And so he was on the roster for the 1986 World Series, but he was not um, on the roster for the playoffs. So he did not get a ring when they won the World Series. But the story, 10 years later, he was reading in the newspaper. He saw where some Mets got rings. So he saw some of the guys who got the rings. Because if you play a certain amount of days in the majors, you, get, you would get a ring. So he played, I think it was like, if you play over 20 days or something, you get a ring. And so he played like 23 up there. So he saw, saw some guys that got a ring that played less than him in the majors. But um, the story is he still does not have a ring, but, you know, he's okay with not having one. Okay, so, so. Now, the, now the crusade of this podcast is to get the Mets to quit being cheap, which is like a four-decade problem with the Mets anyway, and to get Mr. Mitchell the World Series ring that he deserves. <laughs> we'll see, but we, probably not. We, um, we, have a, we have a pet project now with the podcast. <laughs> I did a poor job of uh, asking... Or follow up, asking a follow up question regarding Johnny's dad's time playing baseball. A uh, couple good stories you were relaying, and I, th- I think they uh, they deserve to to see the light today. Let's start with the let's start with how you got your middle name. Yeah, so my middle name is Latham, L A T H A M, and um, I got that name from a guy named Tony Latham, 
who's from North Carolina. He played at Virginia. He was a fourth-round draft pick. pick. Um, interesting fact, he played when Ralph Sampson played at Virginia, and they were kind of really good friends. And so um, so they were invited to an instructional league. Um, this one, my dad, he was – this was in 1983. My dad was 18, and they were in Sarasota, Florida. And so they decided to go out in the ocean. And uh, and so they came back – they were coming back in with their boat because the waves were kind of getting choppy, and so a, somebody's hat flew off. So they went back and got the hat, and he turned the person – the boat ended up capsizing. And uh, Tony Latham, uh, he ended up drowning immediately. And then another guy, he also drowned. And so my dad and another guy, they were in the ocean for – about 22 hours until the next morning and my dad and they just held on to a bucket he put the bucket upside down and he um, just kind of swam and just stayed until they found him the next day and so that's where I kind of get my middle name Latham um, and so I'll hopefully you know get to when I have kids pass that name on down to uh, my son if I end up having a son so that's where I get my middle name Dude, that's Wow. Didn't want to be a Debbie Downer, but, I mean, it's a pretty cool, interesting story that, you know, I could, you know, always look back on and really appreciate my middle name and where it came from and be proud of it. You want to talk about your extended family? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> my uncle, he also played in the majors. Um, Charlie Mitchell, he played for the Red Sox, and um, – he played at, he was drafted in a winter supplement, the winter supplemental draft in 1982. He played at Columbia State, and he played in the big, big leagues in 1984 and 85 with the Red Sox, uh, just the parts of two season. And so we just kind of have just a family of people who enjoy sports. And, you know, my dad and uncle, I guess my dad's brother, they got the opportunity to just make it to the big leagues and just hearing – different stories of who they played with and I mean some of the guys my played my dad played with with the Mets was Keith Hernandez, Lenny Dykstra, Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, uh with him it was with the Orioles he played with uh Cal Ripken Junior and at that time the manager for the Orioles was Frank Robinson who is a a very known third baseman for the Orioles. And so that was his manager. So just the still the only guy to win MVPs in both leagues, right? Yep. And so just interesting just their stories of the major leagues and that connection there. Um did I mean did that influence you in any way as far as your interest in getting into athletics? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, when you're around it 24-7, just hearing – I mean, I just see him as my dad, not some professional baseball player. Um, but I just see him as a dad who's just been encouraging of the path. I mean, my older, my other brothers, they didn't really – they're not into sports, so he's, you know, um, been very encouraging to that and just encouraging of what we like to do and try to get interest in us. But, yes, uh, him playing, I've always wanted to play. He never had to beg me to go – I wanted to play travel ball or play baseball, I've always wanted to do that. In your environment as a GA and everything else, uh, what have you what have you picked up here? What have you how have you learned and grown with the rest of the GAs we've had? Yeah, just the importance of communicating. Uh, I think that's a big part, just whether if that's staff, coaches, 
our Monocle Society members, our fans, and really just also learning how to make decisions and knowing the reason why behind that decision I made, um, whether it was the correct or wrong answer, but ha but really having the reason why behind it. And I think that's what I've learned the most is just make a decision, but have a reason why. And just um, being honest, admitting when you messed up and learn from it so it won't happen again. Uh, the one word that I've kind of like stuck out to me that Katie, you know, kind of told me, she's like, hey, have a sense of urgency. So that word urgency really has really stuck with me of, um, you know, being a GA and having a sense of urgency of, hey, get things done and let's go. You mentioned that it was kind of once it got rolling, it really was a, a quick process. Uh, and you got you got comfortable and you became a part of the fabric of this department really quickly. Yep. How did you acclimate yourself to the all of this <laughs> so fast? Uh, just sitting and learning. I mean, I'm not a big talker. I usually just sit and listen. And that's how I learn is just see what everybody else is doing and then you know, just learn from them and just, you know, having a good environment is uh, very helpful. And Austin P has done a great job of setting that environment up and for their student athletes and their coaches and fans and their just staff. What's it like assisting Katie Locke, who, as an aside, is going to be furious to learn that you got on the podcast before she did? <laughs> Man, uh, where do I begin? It's been great. Uh, it's been fun. She's definitely a great leader. She wants what's best for you. Uh, she has encouraged me, challenged me. Uh, she's given me credit when I've done well, and she also has given me constructive cursive of what I can do better and improve on for when I do get that next job or the next step after I graduate. So um, I can't thank her enough because she's the one who gave me an opportunity um, here at Austin P that I'll definitely forever be grateful for. I think a lot of people fall into the fallacy of, Oh, they're just the ticket people. They just do tickets. They show up on game day. They sit in the box, and they print tickets out and hand them to people. Describe the job because there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, I mean that's most you know about our job, but it's really preparing the box office and preparing um, the tickets of how to pre-print. Um, just working with our Monocle Society members, learning the prices of the tickets, learning you know, sitting in external meetings and going over what our promotions are going to be like. The uh, customer service aspect. Customer service. That's, you know, and making sure our fans have a great experience, whether they call in or on game day, that they have a great experience and a fan experience where they will want to come back um, to a game here at Austin P. So, yes, it's a lot um, with the box office, but, you know, just talking to Monaco Society members and donors and get to know them on a personal level um, of, you know, how long they've been here at Austin P, like why they give and stuff like that. So that's been good. I know that the situation surrounding COVID-19 is extremely fluid and I mean, there's stuff that may have changed since you and I walked in here and sat down, but just what have the challenges been like for that during this time, during this tumultuous time? Yeah. So most of our work is in the office and I share office with Katie. So, you know, we're always, hey, if she's working on projects, she, hey, here's another project, you go work on that. So that's been kind of challenging of not being in the office together, but kind of just communicating away from the office. Um, but, you know, that's part of the job is challenges will come up. You got to adapt to it and find a way to get the job done. How do you keep kindness in a job where you are often presented with people who, for whatever reason, 
it was part of their game day experience. They have gotten frustrated by something there. Your seats are not where they want them to be or just something is not to their liking. As as part of your job, you are one of the front-facing individuals that they are going to seek out to remedy this, and sometimes they're not that nice about it. But yeah. you always are. I mean, yeah, I mean, it goes back to just, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated and kind of having us, you know, step back of where they're coming from and look at it from their ends. And even though we can't always, you know, we got to accommodate. Um, so what they want and try to do our best to just treat them as, you know, our fans because our customers because they should be first. And that's what um, our job is about. So just really treating others the way you want to be treated. That's how I look at it and how I try to treat others as well. What is your favorite word? Moxie. What is your least favorite word? By the way, moxie is a good one. Uh, negative. Who or what inspires you? Uh, probably my family. Definitely my mom and dad. Just, you know, their life and how they grew up and just their faith in Jesus and just the example that they have shown me of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ and just that example that they have given. So they've definitely been a big influence in my life. What is the last book you read for fun? The Mind of a Terror. It's from, uh, his last name is Sada, but he was a Muslim uh, sniper who became a believer in Jesus, and now he has a organization in the Gaza, so in Jericho, and it's called Seeds of Hope. And so it's just about um, his story of how to, how he's reconciling and creating a school of children of just how to love one another despite differences. So it was a very challenging uh, read, but it was very eye-opening um, just of how to love others um, despite, you know, maybe our differences in beliefs, but just showing the love of Christ. Sounds like a much deeper book than what I'm usually told, which is like The Cat in the Hat. Yes, it was, but it was a very, um, it was a great book. What is your worst habit? Um, procrastination. What app on your phone gets the most use? My region's bank app. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Yeah, so me and my buddies, we were driving up to Cincinnati to watch uh, the Reds and the A's play. So we were on a two-way highway, and we were the left-hand lane. And there's an 18-wheeler in the right-hand lane, right lane. So we were driving, and on the left, there's a wall, but there's just about a, enough emergency room where our car fat, fit, could fit on that side. So this 18-wheeler, he didn't see us. He came all the way over to our side, and luckily I wasn't driving because I would not have that fast reflexes. Um, but my friend, he had a fast reflex, and he got into the emergency lane without hitting the wall, sped up as fast as he can, and then got over in the right-hand lane before uh, the 18-wheeler um, just demolished us. So I don't know how we didn't hit the wall or how that 18-wheeler hit it, but that definitely was uh, pretty crazy. Ooh. <laughs> what is your idea of happiness? Just being around family, extended family, and just um, the awesome P family. What is your idea of misery? not being around people for for, for uh, too long quarantine yeah quarantine gets a little lonely a little bit what makes you self-conscious mm. 
my height. Really? Yeah. I want to be six foot, <laughs> but instead I'm five eight. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Not sure. Uh, let me think. <laughs> Probably some Katy Perry song. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I like Katy Perry. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it into a microphone. Dark Horse by Katy Perry. That was my um, intro music for my pitching in high school. Nice. Yeah. Um, how would you prefer to die? I guess in my sleep, but wherever, I don't really care. I haven't really thought about how I would rather die, but I guess in my sleep of old age. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Um, well, I don't believe in reincarnation, um, so I believe in eternal life, even either in heaven or um, in hell. So I believe in eternal life. I don't really believe in, um, you know, we come back as something. I believe, you know, we get to be with the Lord in heaven um, through uh, trust and faith through Jesus Christ or, um, you know, um, or separated from um, God for eternity in hell. So did you answer the question? No, I did not. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't believe in, like, reincarnation. So I don't know. What might prompt you to lie? Knowing that I failed someone else by not doing the right thing. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's not an answer that we've gotten so far. Okay. Usually it's to spare people's feelings, like, but that's much more, huh, <laughs> I, I'll have to think about that a little bit. <laughs> what makes you hopeful? Um, just the, the good news of Jesus Christ, um. The verse, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So just the, the grace that Jesus gives us and the grace that God gives us through his son and through what Jesus did on the cross for our sins and raising and resurrecting three days later so that we might have a relationship with Jesus and our Father and be reconciled with him one day. So that gives me, that's the hope of um, the world and the hope that we have is in Jesus. What is our purpose in life? to give God the glory of whatever thing we do. And it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about um, glorifying the Lord. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you would like to ask the next guest? If you were not working in sports, what would you be doing? What do you think you'd be doing? Maybe still working at the Y, um, but not in their sports department or working in sales somewhere. Not sure, which is fine. Haley Meyer asked last week, how much money would it take for you to eat a bug? What type of bug? She left it pretty open-ended. For example, I asked if it had to be a live bug or a dead bug, and it could be either. Uh, I asked if you could, like, smother it in uh, chocolate or something, and she said that it was really kind of up to you. The price? Uh, I don't know. $400? $300? $500? I don't know. I don't even think you're short-selling yourself a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I'll take $500 right now. I'm about to go out and catch a bug. 
<laughs> well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for your time. Uh, we appreciate. It. We love having you around here, man. You make you make everything so much nicer just by your presence. So we really appreciate it. Appreciate you, and as always, let's go pee. Thanks to Johnny Mitchell for coming on, taking a few minutes out of his day to talk about all things related to Ostopy, ticketing, baseball, and life. Casey, before we launch into our uh, the second half of our persiflage, uh, what's, what's the scoop on the apartment? There's nothing. Nothing has happened. No, no, no report? Nothing has happened since the last last week. Well, that means nothing disastrous has happened either. So we'll. Uh, but it also means nothing's been fixed. So here we are. Well, you know. You know, it has been fixed. Sort of. Maybe. No, it's not been fixed. <laughs> they've, they've, they've thrown some duct tape on the, yeah, on the they, sinking ship. Yeah, they've uh, they they slapped duct tape over a bullet wound. Uh, Major League Baseball is going to have a 60-game season. Yeah, we're going to do this thing. Maybe. Sort of. Uh, uh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a sprint to the playoffs. There did is they did they officially say they're doing expanded playoffs or is that out? I'm pretty sure that's I, out. I thought they had to do expanded playoffs to make up for it. You would ha- you would think they have to with 60 games because 60 games isn't enough to see as a good baseball team. Well, and also you gotta you gotta think that if the networks are going to be crying over their perceived lack of revenue, I think this is one. I think the expanded playoffs are one of the things they like said. All right, we've got this. Like we'll work on this before opening day. Oh, which I think <laughs> I don't trust these two sides to get. You have to have expanded playoffs because, I mean, last year in 60 games, the San Francisco Giants make the playoffs and they were awful. Yeah. And if you're going to have a team like the Giants in the playoffs, you can't like if the Dodgers miss the playoffs because the Giants just get hot. You have to expand the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I guess you don't have to. You're, you're talking about you're talking about things in terms of reasonability and fairness and i don't think that's been on the menu for a while now when it comes to <laughs> these negotiations did you hear about their plan for nashville yeah the free agent league the free agent league just free agent i, I want them to like schoolyard pick the teams every day like like I, like the two starting pitchers are captains and like you've got i don't know who's a free agent pitcher like homer bailey's out here like i want kipnis or or you got guys who are the you you know that there would be guys out there who are picking their former teammates or their buddies who want a shot to get back in. Puig's going to dominate that lead. Oh by the man, way. I'm if there is a silver lining to all of this, it's that I'm going to be living close to Yasiel Puig for an extended period of time. I don't know how we're going to get into the stadium, but we're going to have to find a way to go watch Puig just tear up these free agent pitchers. I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a lot of things in regard to that because that's not a stadium that you can't get into if you want to. Right. There there are some weak spots in the perimeter if you know where to go look. I'm going to be hiding out in the outfield with binoculars just watching Yasiel. Just 
hit well, nukes. Well, I mean, there's a parking garage that overlooks right field that you just drive to the top and just look down. Yeah, it, it, it'll be it'll be it, fun to watch. It, it'll be there. like Wrigley's uh, the the rooftop yeah, like seats. Yeah, like the guys across town at Vanderbilt up on yeah. the parking garage. It'll be it'll be a good day. Just. Park it, the car, grab a chair, and watch Yasiel play, play some baseball. It, it'll be a better, it'll be a better ballpark experience than whatever awaits the poor Rangers fans. My gosh! Oh boy, that is just. When you look at the renderings for this ballpark, you look at the renderings and it looks like a spaceship settled down in the outfield into just a random field in Texas. And then it ends up looking like a sheet metal warehouse. It, it is a knockoff. It is absolutely a knockoff hitting facility that I went to in the winter of 2002. Someone sent the Rangers the wrong material, and the builders just ran with it. It yeah, was supposed to be like, glass. Yeah. It was supposed to be a glass front with the Rangers logo. Nope. Sheet metal all the way around. I mean, if you just looked at that photo and had to guess, all right, what year was this thing built? 1985? And like, the inside of the stadium, I think, looks fine and is nice, but it's just so bad on the outside. Sheet metal is well known for uh, providing breathability and cool air, especially, especially. Does this the, is this <laughs> this might pass the Trop as the worst looking baseball stadium from the outside in Major League Baseball? I don't know, man. I've been by the Trop a couple times. It doesn't look terrible from the outside. It looks terrible from the inside. It just looks really oddly placed. Like I've been in. It's it's not great. It's it's just it look it. You're just driving around Tampa. And all of a sudden, it just appears. I don't think... And then it disappears behind this pillar of overpasses and everything right. else. Like, I think there was a baseball stadium back there. I think the problem with the Rangers Park is, too, they went from... I mean, their old park was nice. It was old. It was kind of old. It was getting up there. But it was. It looked It looked nice. It, it looked wasn't like it, old. It was 20 years old. Right. Well, so was Turner Field, but they got rid of that. Um, we're calling 20 years old. That's fine. But it was still a nice park, and it looked like a baseball stadium. Not a sheet metal warehouse. I think the problem they had with that one was the way it was built initially and where it was situated. The outfield seats baked. It was a jet stream games. the dead center too. Well, that, you got the ball up and it just it was gone. Yeah, but that I mean that's a feature, not a bug. You build a team right. around that right. when you know that's what's happening. Right. The Yankees buy left-handed power headers because right field's three hundred fourteen feet. Right. Play to your park. I mean the Reds load up on. Taylor I mean, Mash and Galoots because... The Reds built Great American Ballpark to help King Griffey Jr. hit home runs. Then he got hurt and kind of made it moot. All's fair. Just don't don't play in a sheet metal warehouse. Yeah. Um, speaking of not playing anymore, pour a little out for Vince Carter, who officially announced the old retirement today. It's sad. It's a sad day for If we're going to come back and do this bubble thing and the Hawks are out, and the Hawks are out... The Lakers need a guard. Just cut him loose and see who wants him. Somebody will be like, heck yeah, let's get Vince Carter in here. Yeah, Vince Carter. Oh, Avery Bradley's gone. Yeah, we'll take Vince. He can hit a couple threes in the corner. He looks cool, and we'll get him a ring. He can still 360 dunk, and he's 42 years old. He is 42, and uh, saw a picture of 2001 All-Star game this morning. Every player in it's retired now. All of them had been retired for like five years except for Vince, which yeah. is just wild that he's outlasted everybody. Yeah. Given the the arc of his career, you never would have expected Vince Carter to be the one still standing at 42 years old. You never expected Vince Carter just to be a spot-up three-point shooter either. No, but, you know, once the league transitioned that way, I mean, Brooke Lopez puts up five threes a game now. It's just it's just it's basketball it's in 2020. <laughs> Casey posed an interesting question yesterday, and we'll pose it to you guys, and you can yell at us for being stupid or, I don't know. 
We're filling 20 minutes at a time here, so just bear with us. What celebrity would you have narrate your life? This was a Twitter question I saw yesterday, and um, I think the correct answer, and it was my first answer, was Sam Elliott. See, I think you're. I think you have to have multitudes for this. I think Sam Elliott is a perfect everyday life. If you had Sam Elliott narrating your life, every day would be good. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you're wanting, if you're wanting to go for the big moments, you want to have somebody whose voice tends to lend some weight and some gravity to everything they say. And so you're looking then at a, a James Earl Jones, maybe a Morgan Freeman, a Morgan Freeman. Uh, some, somebody whose very presence when they're speaking cannot be anybody but them. Right. I was thinking about it, too, after we, we talked about this before the show. What if you had, like, which baseball announcer would you want to do this? And I, the names that came to mind, obviously Vin Scully, um, Bob Uecker, I think would be funny. He'd be a fun one to have. But then I like yeah, our, but then you got Bob Euchre at your grandmother's funeral, right? Too. But Bob Euchre also be it also be cool to have Bob Euchre around all the time. He seems like fun. Yeah. And then my other thought was I love Gary Thorne's voice. You know, mm, John Miller. I think I might go with John Miller. Okay, not uh, not um, Chip Carey. No, <laughs> swinging, a, swinging a drive. Yeah, no. and that will retire the side. <laughs> in my single days, I would have been hitting on a girl at a bar, and Chip Carey been like, "And he is going to close this." Nope, <laughs> nope, she's walking away. <laughs> uh, since the Chip Carey appeared on the uh, Long Gone Summer a couple weeks ago, I've seen a lot of people just like my my baseball season won't start until Chip Carey says "swinging a drive" just for the inning to be over. Yeah, swing swinging a drive, <laughs> swing on a laser drive. Pop fly up to and Sinzel will catch that one on the track, and that and that one will almost reach him where he was positioned. <laughs> He's awful. It's one of the more frustrating parts about watching the Braves. But uh, so Sam Elliott, James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman—those are top three choices for the question. I think so. Yeah. Um, I've I've tried to think of another one. I think those three voices are just the the three. I think there are other voices that could get there eventually. Eventually, but I think you, you're looking at you're talking about that at that point. You got three guys with like there, forty year history. Yeah, those are some established veterans. Yeah, like there's some new guys probably, but they still got to work their way up to that level. Yeah, you know Robert Downey Jr. could get there one day, but he's got to do a lot of stuff. Right. Right. Haley Meyer, for your community service opportunities, as always, uh, whatever you can do, you should do right now. Bank those community service hours, earn those Govs Cup points, and get in touch and stay in touch with us via the web and social media. Casey, how do people do that? You should follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P, or you can follow along on our official Facebook account called Austin P. Governors. Uh, shout out to our friends Eric and Robin in digital media for all the digital media content they provide us. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey, Cody Bush, and myself doing stuff over there pretty much all of the time. And with sports hopefully starting back up soon, you're going to need some tickets. And tickets for our FCS kickoff game in, um, where is that, Birmingham? Montgomery. Montgomery, Alabama. That's what I meant. Boy, uh, being the sports information guy doesn't, doesn't mean you get anything about osmosis, does wrong, it? Wrong Alabama city. Um you're going to need tickets to that. And to get tickets to that game, you should get in contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke and her assistant. Uh, I think we used this Johnny nickname last week. Yeah, I figured we could just call him by his actual name since okay, he was here fine. today. Um, you can get in contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke and Johnny Mitchell. They have all the information you can use to get in the game. Uh, be on the lookout for some information regarding social distancing and so forth. 
soon. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating review on the podcast. Five stars, five stars. And if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Inquire about Reds baseball scheduling with Casey. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye.